Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Everybody and welcome to your book, your brand, your business. This is your host, Daria Ann, and I am here every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern on W4CY Radio. And it's really hard to believe that this is the last Monday of January already. My goodness, uh, time is flying. But I have to tell you guys, I'm super excited about my, you know, having my guest on tonight. His name is Jack July, and Jack and I go way back, <laughs> several years, several books in his series, which I'm going to tell you about. Um, and he actually, he's been a guest host in my previous life on on uh, another platform I will not name. <laughs> um, before I came to W4CY Radio, I hosted a show called Right Stream Tuesday, interviewing authors. And Jack was not only a, a, a repeat guest uh, to talk about his Amy Lynn books, but he also guest hosted for me many, many times. So I'm really excited for you guys to meet him tonight. This evening, we're going to be talking about Jack's latest book, Amy Lynn Hatchet. Um, which is part of the Amy Lynn book series, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit about Jack and then bring him on. As you guys will see, we're, we're good friends. So this is going to be just a fun, informal interview. But Jack July is home-based out of Spartanburg, South Carolina. After graduating high school, he enlisted in the U.S. Navy, where he was an aviation electronics technician on the F-14 Tomcat. Upon his discharge, he earned millwright journeyman status while working construction in the steel mills in Gary, Indiana. Looking for work in the trades, he found a home for almost 20 years at Harley-Davidson Motor Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He resigned to allow his wife to expand her professional career and, and became a stay-at-home dad. While at Harley-Davidson, Jack earned his bachelor's degree. The professors at Cardinal Stritch University noticed his unique writing style and made positive, motivating comments. Out of boredom, Jack decided to write his first novel, Amy Lynn. Amy Lynn sold over 10,000 copies and in continues to enjoy brisk sales with an audiobook release. Well, I, I think the audiobook, I'll desk Jack, uh, was planned for May of 2018. Uh, his second novel, Amy Lynn, Golden Angel, won a bronze medal for the Book of the Year from the Conservative Libertarian Fiction Alliance. His fourth book, Amy Lynn, Into the Fire, won a Grace Turning, The Pages Summers. Well, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, Jack. You'll have to correct me. Book of, the, <laughs> book of the Year for 2018 for Action and Adventure. Uh, book five, Amy Lynn Hatchet, was released in March of 2018. Over his lifetime, Jack has undertaken eclectic hobbies. He has built and raced his own late model stock car until it interfered with his family life. He took flying lessons, found that to be boring, <laughs> then learned to skydive and became an instructor. After a recent divorce, Jack is homeless but not destitute. He can be found living in the cab of a semi-truck while he hauls hazardous materials across the, across the states east of the Rockies. If you find his truck and see the light on in the sleeper, you know he's on his laptop working on Amy Lynn number six. Well, Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daria. 
<laughs> I I should probably get off my bed button update some things now and then, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be good. But you are certainly a well-rounded in... I'm not much into that. I I wish I wish I was better at marketing and all that, but I I, I you know you work so hard at your day job. And then you you take the time that you have to write, and then when you're done writing, you just want to go to sleep, you know. And and people tell me they say, "Well, you need a website, and you need to do this, and you need to do that." And I said, "Well, you need to put 48 hours in a day because that's about the only way I'm going to be able to do that." So, but yeah, yeah, it's great to be with you, and it's great to be on your show. And it's been a long time. I think the I think the last time we talked, we were eating pizza and somewhere in Orlando. You know what? I think you're right. Wow, that is a long time ago, Jack. Jeez, time flies. Yeah, it is. Well, you know what? This yes, is a new. Does. This is a new audience on W4CY. So I want to, before we get into Amy Lynn Hatchet, let's just step back a little bit and just tell the audience a little bit about your Amy Lynn series and uh, that phenomenal character that you created. Okay. Um, well. First of all, they need to know that I'm really not much of an author. I, I really am more. I more tell stories uh, like like the biography says um, I quit my job at Harley Davidson. So my wife could uh, I put my wife through college, she got her master's degree and she stabbed her way up the corporate ladder at a Fortune 50 company. Next thing I know, I'm living on the intercoastal in North Carolina. Well, I'm bored. You know, I'm a stay at home dad. I, I was horrible at cleaning house so bad that she had to hire a housekeeper, <laughs> which really irritated her. And um, and I just said, you know what? I, I think I'll write a book and I've never really written anything longer than a, you know, a 20 page term paper. But when I was a little boy, my dad, and oh, my dad was, uh, he was a wild man, but, um, he used to tell me, say, boy, someday I'm going to write a book. Someday I'm going to write a book. Someday I'm going to write a book. And I thought, you know what, of all the crazy stuff I've done and all the crazy places I did, I bet I could write a novel. And by golly, if, uh, oh, what is that? Uh, there was a television show on a gr- with a no- guy with a novel. Uh, what was his name? Ah, it was just on TV not, not too long ago. It's still on TV. It's on the reruns. He's an author and a crime fighter with a real pretty girlfriend, and they solve stuff. But anyway, I forget the name of it. But anyway, I thought, hell, if he could do it, so can I, you know. How hard can it be? Well, little did I know. <laughs> and um, I got to about chapter 20. And uh, I said, I, I can't do this. You know, there's there's no way I can do this because it, it's it's too hard. It's it's beyond me, you know, which is unusual for me because I, I never thought anything was beyond me. If I ever wanted to do anything, I, I if I ever saw anything I wanted to do, I'd figure out where they did it and I would go there. I wouldn't read about it. I wouldn't call somebody. I would go there and I would stand with them and I would say, hey. This looks fun to me. Does anybody want to tell me how I can get involved in this? You know, and if it, just say, for example, skydiving, okay? As soon as you say that, you have, you have a group of skydivers around you going, grabbing you by the, come on, come on, come, come play with us. We will show you things you've never seen before. And they were absolutely right. And, but, but you have to be in it. You have to. You have to see the people, talk to the people, smell the people, look at the environment, you know, and that's how I became involved with so many things. And, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. And it, it became uh, very much, it's very much a lifestyle because everything you do pretty much becomes a lifestyle as, as in part of your life. Well, writing is that same thing. And anyway, I got to chapter 20 and, and I wanted to give up because it was just, it was just too hard. And uh, so I went down to uh, a little liquor store there in Hampstead, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, when you're in the South and you get to somebody when a cash register, you, you see them a lot, you're going to catch up. So we were sitting chatting, you know, and uh, her name was Paula, PJ. I says, uh, she says, what have you been up to? I says, I was decided I was going to write a novel, but I don't, I don't think I'm cut out for that. She said, well, how much did you get done? I said, well, about 20 chapters. She says, well, print it out. Let me read it. My dad used to write books. I used to read his books. She goes, all right, whatever. So I went ahead and printed it out and, and took it to her on my way to pick up my kids at school. And I didn't think anything of it for about two or three weeks. And then it was, uh, oh, 2010, 
uh, Labor Day weekend, I believe, and and on the intercoastal, it, it's it's pretty packed. It was basically a tourist place, and the liquor store was just packed. And uh, I walked in, and and she slammed the register shut, looked at me, and walked around through the crowd and put her finger in my chest. She said, "Don't you dare quit writing." So then the liquor store lady became my muse. So I would write a chapter, and I would drop a chapter off at the liquor store lady. Well, <laughs> seventy-seven chapters later, I had a book. You know, and I thought, okay, now what do I do with this thing? And uh, so I went through uh, Amazon Publishing. Of course, they're, they had a publishing division. I don't even remember what it's called now, but it was a self-publishing division. And I went ahead and published it. And uh, and the cover was horrible. It was horribly edited because I can't write. I don't know where the commas and the periods go. I don't, I don't know any of that. And it was terrible. And uh, But somebody read it. At, at the Ace of Spades group, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Ace of Spades or how many people are, but it's uh, it's one of the top 50 blogs in the country. And every every uh, Sunday at 10 o'clock, they put up a post called the Sunday Morning Book Read, and it's read by over a half a million people. So uh, somebody on there read it, and they emailed me directly, and they said, uh, you can't write where the shh, but your story is fabulous. I want to help you. And I went, well, okay. So all of a sudden I got all these people from Ace of Spades who are doing this crowd editing of my book, you know, and they would, they would literally go into, into chapters and, and they would send me stuff and, and okay, here, this, no, this sentence doesn't make any sense. Fix it. This is what it should say. You know, and I, I'm about a dozen people were doing this until it finally got to be a book. And then I got another email that said, your cover's crap. You really need a cover, you know? And, and they were, they didn't say crap. They're, they're kind of loose over there. And, um, but I, I said, all right, fine. I'll, you know, let me, let me help you, you know? And then, then later on that cover, somebody else said that cover was crap. Well, now Kia Heavey makes my covers and I, I think they're beautiful, but, um, that, that's how it all started. And, uh, and as soon as I got this one, it went through like four different editing processes and, and it cost me a ton of money because every time you edit something through Amazon, you got to pay for it. And it, it, but by the time I got done, all of a sudden I had all, I had fans and I, well, how did this happen? You know? And all of a sudden I got, you know, it was like, okay, when's the next one coming out? And I'm like, next one, you know, <laughs> what, you know? So I said, okay, well, I'll write another one. And I did. Well, now I'm writing number six. I'm, I'm done. I just finished number six, actually. It's not published yet, but it's, uh, it's in its final stages of editing. And, and that's, that's basically how I became an author. And, and throughout, the whole, throughout the whole process, there has been so many people that have stepped up and, and helped me. You know, uh, you. Uh, there, I got a little note when the first time I put my book up for sale, there was, uh, an author that you interviewed, uh, not too long ago. And oh my God, goodness, if I can't remember her name, she's a science fiction author, but, but she's on the ace of spades a lot. And I, I got a little email from, it was the sweetest little email. It said, you who, <laughs> and I said, I wrote back. Yeah. And she says, I'd like to talk to you about price point because I just put my Kindle out there for 10 bucks. Cause I just thought, well, 10 bucks, that's a good price for a book. You got to work a year for. She says, uh, you're a new author. You're playing for beer money. 10 bucks is a little much. She said, I'd back that way down. She said, you have one job right now and that's to get red. She said, you need to get red. And I said, okay. And I had no ego cause I had no idea what I was doing. So I was just like, okay, we can do that. You know, so I dropped the price all the way down and then I was so proud when I sold 20 books, you know, and then I sold, you know, then it kept going and it kept going by word of mouth. I did absolutely no advertising, no nothing, you know, it, it was just sitting there and, and just people would read it and tell their friends and tell their friends and tell their friends. And, and then I wrote, uh, and then I wrote Golden Angel, which was book number two. And I, I had some of the same pitfalls I had with the first book, uh, but not as many because I had learned more. And uh, the biggest thing I learned from Golden Angel was to slow my butt down. Because when you write the end, you want, you want it out. You know, you're done. Well, no, you're not. That, that's when it starts. 
the end should be the beginning because mm-hmm. that's when the heck of the, the H-E double hockey sticks of being an author starts when you write the end. And, and that, that book taught me that lesson to take my time and to go through the book and, and to make sure it's right because you only like, you know, they say you only give one opportunity to make a first impression, you know, and, and, uh, so true. So that's what I learned. That's what I learned from that book. And then I, and then I wrote the lady of castle Dunn, which was, uh, 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 it was my romance book, you know, it was what I considered to be a romance book, which was funny because I have exactly one, one star rating out of all five books. And it was a person telling me, they said, they said, well, this isn't an Amy Lynn book. This is just a romance book with terrorism in it. I'm like, yeah, that's what the blurb says right up the front. Did you read it? It says it's a romance book with terrorism in it. Yeah, that's what it is. Good. You figured it out. Still gave me one star, but that's all right. You know, Jack, that reminds me of something you said to me once on the air, though, that we don't live our lives in a genre. So, you know, you're no. taking this character of Amy Lynn, and, and as the books, as the series progresses, she's growing, too. I mean, she's getting older. She's having more experiences. She's expanding, uh, you know, her, you know, guess what, whatever she's doing in her life and career. And so, to me, that makes sense that, that one of the books would be more... Um, at that stage in her life would be more focused on romance with some terrorism thrown in, as you say. But I wonder if you could right. speak to that because everybody's so like keyed into genres. and. Um, well, they kind of have to be, which is hard for me because when you go to keyword searches and when you put your book up for market, you say, okay, you have, what genre are you in? What do you do? What, what, what is this? You know? And I'm like, gosh, I don't know. This is, somebody's life you know so I've, I've had to break them up the first book is is a coming of age book it starts when she's 12 and ends when she's 20 it basically shows her in that period of her life golden angel is basically a spy thriller but it's also her finding out what she's going to do for the rest of her life whereas whereas amy lynn the first amy lynn w- took place in a span of like nine years golden angel takes place in a span of nine days you know, and then you have the lady of Castle Dunn, which is a romance. She falls in love. She gets married. She, she, you know, she, her wedding is, it's fun. It's hilarious. You know, she marries a very wealthy European man and she's an Alabama hillbilly and she brings him into that. And, and, and the height and the stuff I had to write about was, was incredible. I was, I was laughing while I was reading it. I'm going, yeah, this is how that would work. Oh yeah. Because I, cause I'm a hillbilly, you know, I know, but yet I've, I've been enough places and done enough things and been around enough people to know that, that the, the cultures don't have to clash. Sometimes they, they fit more than you think they would, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the basic tenets of, of love and honored integrity are universal, regardless of your culture, which makes it, it kind of easier to slide those things in together. Now, now that was a romance. Then I went into uh, Amy Lynn Into the Fire, which was the fourth book. That was kind of a mystery. So I wrote a whodunit. You know, something happens. Everybody wants to know whodunit. You know, there was more of a buildup to that. And it was also uh, kind of uh, her having to come to terms with what she had been doing. She she went through some major trauma that she never thought she'd have to go through. And and she actually half of it's her sitting with a psychiatrist, you know, and then back at home with her family. Uh, let me let me. um Let me stop, because I like. Tom Clancy books. And I like Vince Flynn books. I love spy thrillers. I like biographies. Um, I think the last biography I read was um, uh, Nikki Six, Motley Crue. <laughs> you know, because, because it, it's, it, it, I don't know how real it is. And you know how people sugarcoat their, especially, you know, people sugarcoat their own autobiographies. Uh, but still you get to see the, what happens, you know, step by step. Well, anyway, when I was reading these spy thrillers, you see these, you know, these cold, hard men, you know, and, and they're, they're tough and they're, they always have the answer. And just when you think things are bleak, they pull rabbits out of hats and survive and all this. And that's great. And that's fun. But do they ever go home? 
You know, where did they come from? What's their dad like? What's their grandpa like? What's their brothers and sisters like? You know, what, where did they come from? And when they go home, what happens when they get home? And that's what it, as Amy Lynn is kind of like, you know, yeah, she goes on her little missions and she does her things, which is, which is she uh, protects and avenges children. That's what she does. And, but then she goes home. And that's a whole nother world of, of, of interest and fun and, and things that I've had experiences with, you know. And, and, I, I, grab, and I grab experiences from everywhere. So um, that's what that is. And then we get to Hatchet. And, and Hatchet, is, um, Hatchet is, is, I'm kind of proud of Hatchet because I started that book three years ago. And the first mission Amy goes on in that book is the little St. James Island, which we all know in the news is Pedophile Island. Mm-hmm. I did all the research on that island. Jeffrey Epstein, the character uh, Aaron Goldberg in the book, is, is uh, loosely based on Jeffrey Epstein. Giselle wow. March in that book is loosely based on, on his little partner that procured the girl. And what we do is we follow a teenage girl all the way to the island. And you're going to see what happens at the island, and you're going to see the people involved in the island. And you're also going to see how I would have handled that. You know, there's a lot of people that should drop to their knees and thank their ultimate causal power that I'm not in charge. Yeah. If, if you read my books, you'll see that I would have handled things quite a bit differently. There wouldn't have been any, any prison cells or suicides. That would not have been necessary at all. Because I, I have very strong opinions on what should happen to people who harm and exploit children. And I'm sure that people see that and can understand that when they read my books. Yeah, well, I'm right there with you, Jack. And I'd like a life, real life would be a lot better if, if it would imitate uh, the fiction that <laughs> in your book and the way you handle that. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. Um, I- I- exactly. Um, but but it's really interesting though that now now let me ask you with, with respect to Epstein had all because you wrote the book what when did you start writing the three book three years ago three years ago okay so was that before because yeah. uh, I know he seventeen he, that was before wow. any of it came out see that this has been going on for years yeah and everyone already knew about it who was paying attention right oh yeah and all it, these- it's existed. Yep. And all these so-called Me Too celebrities, you know, it was like an open secret all these years. Now, suddenly, they're all outraged about it, and they covered it up. Half of the Me Too celebrities were there screwing kids. No, it's a disgrace. It's really a disgrace. It so is. Did you, it's, do you it's include, horrible. like, fictional celebrities in, the, in, this, in this book, too? Well, there's one. There's one. Well, I, I'm not going to. Okay. You can read it. Well, you can figure it, it out. <laughs> you got to read it. I don't, I, I learned, that's another thing I learned, not to give away too much. So, um, yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, but I, just as much people seem to enjoy in my books, when I was at um, uh, the Biltmore uh, Hilton in Asheville during the awards ceremony for, uh, for the Grace's Turning, Grace Turning Pages Summers uh, Book of the Year, uh, we had a little, a little, um, you know, book sale signing thing in one of the ballrooms. And I had my little table set up and a man came in he was about, he was probably in his sixties and he had a copy of the first Amy Lynn. It was, it was, it was dog-eared and dirty. I mean, you could tell he's read it more than once, you know, and that's such an honor, you know, it's, it's gotta be, it, it was, I, I was like, my mouth fell open. I went, Oh my God, a fan, you know? And he, and he sets the book in front of me, and, and he has the most stern look on his face. He goes, I don't read many books, but do you know why I read this book? Do you know why? I said, uh, no, sir. He said, uh, he said, well, he said, there's a part in it where her and her Uncle Jack, her Uncle Jack takes a distributor out of a big box Chevy and uses a 3-H drill to charge the oil pump to, to share oil throughout the bearings. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows how to do that. But you did. And I'm like, well, yeah, man, my dad did that in the garage when I was a kid. He goes, he goes, yeah, but see, you know stuff. This ain't a lie. This book ain't a lie. And that <laughs> it was, it was the biggest honor. It was, it was a greater honor than standing there in the suit getting the award. It was greater. And I went, you know what? I said, I, I'm so, so honored to meet you, and, and I'm so thankful to meet you. See, and, and that's another thing. People, I, I, 
And please don't take this as a slam on fantasy and sci-fi because it's not. Fantasy and sci-fi has its own difficulties. You, you are creating new worlds, new, new spaceships, new critters, new monsters, <laughs> new names, new words. You know, yeah, it's very, very creative. But I had to spend two hours for two sentences figuring out the proper way to put in an IV and, and how the drip works and how the bags are hung and how all that's done for two sentences. Because if I get that wrong, somewhere in America, a phlebotomist or a nurse is going to read that. And if I got it wrong, if I disrespected their job and what they did for a living, guess where that book's gone? In the garbage. Yep. So, so this, is, this is the work that nobody talks about when you're writing a fiction book. Because I don't know everything. I don't know anything. But I do know how to research, and I do know how to study, and I do know how to find out. And, and that's why w- when you write about people, you better honor what it is they do. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You better honor what it is who they are. And I hope that translates to the people that read it. And so far it has. And I, I have been wildly more successful than I should have ever be because I do no marketing. I, I do nothing. I just put it out there and it's all word of mouth. And, and you know, I have, I got fans all over the world. I have people that write me from the European countries and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me. It really is. It's, it's, it's humbling at times. Well, and it's a testament to the power of your storytelling, Jack, and, and your ability to really, you were talking about sort of like the universal human experiences and emotions, whether you're, you know, a European baron or, you know, a, a hillbilly country girl. I mean, it, it is very true. And you're able to, to, to portray that in such a authentic way that it speaks to people. I mean, your characters, too, I have to say this, are, are just so, like, for lack of a better word, just so rich. And you come up with these and I hate to even call them digressions because they're so elemental to the stories, but I love how um, in your books, you know, you'll be reading along and then all of a sudden you'll learn a little bit. You'll go into the back history of a particular character. And I read and I'm like, I'm absolutely fascinated. Um, just the level of detail and the stories that you create. And um, I mean, you're obviously an obser- not only an observer, but a participant in life. And so I wanted to ask you, like, share with our audience a little bit, like you've alluded to it before, but how do you incorporate some of these experiences into into your characters? I mean, you have such a diverse background in the military and, and all the things that you've done. Like, how do you take all of that and say, well, you know what, I'm going to create this character of Amy Lynn or I'm going to create Uncle Jack, who's one of my favorites, as you know. Well, Uncle, well, like you say, these are these are um, these are either real people in my life or compilation characters. Uh, my uncle Jack is basically a compilation character of my dad and my uncle James. Um, and, uh, they were, they were really rough men. Um, my dad was, was, uh, played on the outskirts, organized crime in South Chicago. Uh, he ran, ran chop shops. Uh, he was a, he was a tough man. He gave a man 762 stitches with a knife without killing him. Uh, he was the well, guy that, that say, well, other, other dads taught their boys how to throw curveballs. Mine taught me how to knife fight. You know, he carried a hawk bill knife. He said, you don't stab them, you cut them, you burn them up. You know, these are the things that I grew up with. So it's kind of what I know. And I grew up in a race car shop. So I know about cars and I'm an only child. So I I never really had an opportunity to be a child. I was always around adults. 
I was always around him. Uh, you know, when I was 14 years old, I had an old Chevy pickup truck that I, that I hauled stolen uh, 460 Ford engine or 460 uh, Ford engines. Yeah, out of Lincoln or Lincoln engines out of town cars down into inner city Gary to sell. You know, I the door would open. I'd drive the pickup truck in. The men would unload the engines. A guy that dressed like Huggy Bear from Starskin Hutch would hand me an envelope of money and give me a Coca-Cola, and we'd sit and talk while they unloaded the engines. That was my life. And, and these were all of the, you know, the richness of the characters comes from the reality of the characters because I know these people, and they're not all bad people. I, at least they weren't to me because I didn't know the difference. They were all criminals and outlaws and half crazy. But it didn't seem that way to me because when you grow up in it, it's not that way. It isn't until you leave that life that you look back and you go, wow, you know, <laughs> until you actually, until, until you're living in a gated community with a wife and kids and you're looking around and you're going, wow, nobody's shooting at anybody. This is crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is different, you know, you know, and, and I got to live all sides of that, you know, and, and I got to see all sides of that. And, and it, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, it, 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 it's, some of it's hard to come, come to grips with, but, but still you don't trade it for anything, you know, and even just the, the simple stories. I, I gotta, I gotta tell you this story. Me and my neighbor, neighbor, Adam. Okay. Neighbor, Adam ran a construction company. Seriously, seriously wealthy man. I, I'm not a wealthy man, but, but he was the redneck and I was the redneck and all the other neighbors hated us. Okay. They hated us because we just, he had, he had like six four wheelers under his house and we'd take the four wheelers and, and go down to the golf course and sane the ponds for fish. So we can go home and feed his alligator. Cause he had a pet alligator, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's all this crazy stuff. Right. So one night, one night we're sitting there and every Friday and Saturday night we'd sit in his garage and we'd sit moonshine and watch television until we got liquored up. And then we'd turn on the country and Western station and then we'd sing along with the radio and maybe shed a tear about our grandparents that we miss, you know, and this is, this is the kind of things we did. And then about two o'clock in the morning, he had a Lamborghini. So we'd get in his Lamborghini and we'd go to the Waffle House and Google the tattooed Pierce girls that worked there. You know, we were both married, but didn't do nothing about it, but it was fun, you know? This is this is the kind of kind of people that I I managed to run into, and what a wonderful man he is—a a good good Christian man, you know, a kind man, and just just fun though, just fun and full of life, you know. But there's a story, there's a story in in Into the Fire, and somebody looked at me and they said, "Where in the, do you come up with this? How do you come up with this? How do you think this stuff up?" And I go. No, 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 you don't understand. This really happened. And they're like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So here's what happened. Okay, 10 o'clock in the morning, I get up to cut the grass on a Saturday morning. I uh, walk outside. I look over in the front of neighbor Adam's yard. There's a rollback. There's a rollback trailer pulling up his wife's brand new BMW, $100,000 M4 BMWs being, being winched up on a rollback. She had got it the day before, and I thought, wow, it must have had an electrical problem or something, you know, being brand new. It couldn't have been nothing wrong with it already. So I went ahead and got the lawnmower, and I went to the backyard, and I, and I smelled something dead. You know, you know that dead animal smell? Yeah. So I'm looking around in the yard, and I'm going to go around the woods, and I can't find it. What's dead? I, I can't find anything dead. So I went ahead and cut the grass, and I got done cutting the grass, and I turned the lawnmower over next to the hose bib, and I'm rinsing the lawnmower off. I look over, there's neighbor Adam in a robe, power smoking a Marlboro, you know, kind of shaking, you know, he's looking rough. And I go, dude, are you okay? And he goes, I kind of stepped outside my mind last night. I said, what, what happened? He goes, come over tonight, I'll tell you about it. I said, okay. So this is the story I put in into the fire. I go over there, I sat down and he's kind of, he, he's, he's halfway through an 18 pack, you know, and I got my brand name Coke and I says, let me hear it. He goes, all right. He said, well, last night he says, uh, the wife came in late after taking her sister for a ride in her new car and bought my truck in and I was out of beer and cigarettes. So I had to run up to the convenience store to get some beer and cigarettes. So I just took her car. So he took her car and went there on the way back, a deer, 
ran out of the side of the, ran out of the woods and slammed into the side of her wife's brand new car, buckling the fender and the hood. This hundred thousand dollar car that is twenty four years old is crap now. He says, I limped it all the way back down the hill into the subdivision. He said, I moved my truck, I put it in a garage. He said, I went in and got her, I came out and showed her. She started screaming at me, calling me a liar, told me I was drunk and I wrecked her car. And I said, no, I swear to God, it was a deer, it was a deer. She goes, no, you drunk, you know, and she, they're both swearing and screaming at each other. And uh, finally she says, well, there's no blood and fur and you're lying to me. You wrecked my car, you wrecked my car. And she ran in and slammed the door. He said, well, he said, let me tell you something. He said, ain't nobody calling me a liar. He said, I went down and got the four-wheeler. He said, I went back up to the top of the hill. I took my machete. I cut that deer's head off and put it in the back of the four-wheeler. I brought it back to the house, walked in the house, slammed it on the kitchen table and said, there it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, Adam, you know that's going in a book, right? <laughs> he said, he said. He said, well, I said, you proved your point. He said, she's going to be mad at me for a while, but I ain't have nobody call me a liar. <laughs> so this, that story there, that's where that came from, from Into the Fire. It really happened. And nobody believes this crazy stuff. I always find myself in the middle of these crazy things. And I'm going, well, I got plenty to write about. You know, and and then I and then people say, well, there's nothing right. You got to leave the house. You got to make friends. You got to go do stuff. That's where you find things to write about. You don't find stuff sitting in your house watching TV, cruising the internet. You got to get out there. You got to you got to get bruised up and hurt and smell things and hug people and cry a little and laugh a little. You know, you got to do things because if you don't, there's nothing to write about. That's the truth. That's just my opinion. No, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, you have to get out and experience life if you want to be, be a writer. You know, right. and meet people. Yeah, I think so. And that's what's nice about this truck driving thing, you know, because people, my friends are calling me thinking I'm going to commit suicide because I went from the gated community. And now, right now, I'm sitting in the sleeper of my semi truck talking to you. And uh, and this is where I live, you know, and, and I I don't care. Because it doesn't, it doesn't change me at all. I'm the same. I'm the same person I was in the gated community that I am sitting in the sleeper of this semi truck. You know, I have food. Uh, I've, I'm clean. I went to the doctor today. I got health care. I got, I got food. I got everything I need. Mm-hmm. You know, my TV's right here. My computer's right here. I can write. I can read. I got a candle. I got everything I need. So, so, and and to be honest with you. I could go to a truck stop in Louisiana, in the middle of Louisiana, and meet people that I would rather be around than I would than those people at the gated community, because they're just a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I just believe that, you know, I I believe that. I didn't. Nobody liked us in the gated community. Nobody liked me in Adam. Nobody. And I couldn't figure out. Well. I kind of can figure out why. Oh, here's a story for you. Neighbor Mark that lived down the road, about five houses. He comes walking his little dogs by us one day, right? And, and sun, was, sun was falling. It was Saturday, you know. And we start talking. He seemed like a nice guy. He says, hey, you know, hey, what, what you got? I said, well, we're going to just come sit in here and have a few drinks. I said, you want to come over with us? He says, you're welcome. You know, we never told anybody they couldn't hang out with us. They just wouldn't because they thought we were crazy. So anyway. He sure enough, he comes by, you know. Well, I got some apple pie from from my moonshining friends out in the woods, out, out in Spartanburg here. And uh, it's basically, it's called apple pie. It's just apple moonshine. And, uh, you know, and so we just sit, we sip it. I pulled out a freezer. Keep it in the freezer. It tastes better when it's really cold. But uh, we're sitting sipping, you know, and so we hand it. Here you go. And he, well, he tips it up. He goes, this is good. And he tips it up. We're like, oh, no, no, no. You don't drink that fast. No, no, you just sip. Just sip. Drink, sip, you know, and but he's from New York, so he thinks he knows every damn thing, right? Right. So, so that's <laughs> fine. So, so two hours later, he's gone. He's all gone, and we're like, "All right, well, you you better go home. Why don't you go on home?" You know. So uh, I walked him to the curb, and I, I stood at the curb and watched him, you know, zigzag to his house. And he finally got to the front door, and I went back in, and I I told Adam, I said, "Do you, you think he's gonna come back?" And Adam said, "I don't know. We'll see." 
Well, about an hour later, the squad cars start screaming down the street, three or four squad cars. Well, apparently the moonshine had lowered his inhibitions, and he told his wife what he thought before he kicked the hell out of her. So they ended up taking him to jail. Oh, my God. <laughs> so three days later, he's walking them dogs down the street again. <laughs> And, and me and Adam are out there going, Mark, what happened? And he, he wouldn't even look at us. He says, my wife said, I can't hang out with you guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, God. Okay, whatever. So, you know, <laughs> that that's my wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's- but not really. We warned him. We said, sip, enjoy. Don't don't drink. Sip. Just sip. And, and, it, and isn't that a good analogy for life? Just sip, you know? Don't drink. Sip. Enjoy. Yeah. It's all there. It's all good. Just enjoy. You know? Well, Jack, but I yeah, think... that's where I come up with my goofy stories. That's yeah. where I, they're all real. They're all they're all true, you know? You well, know, hope... my, the, the, sky, the skydiving portions in, in The Lady of Castle Dunn. I did it. I did all that. For my 40th birthday, I did a six-way naked jump with my friends, you know? I jumped through a cloud <laughs> naked. You know, you ever want to know what a cloud feels like on your naked body at 125 miles an hour? I can tell you because I've done it. You know, it, it, it's it's just damp and cold, by the way. But um, anyway, yeah. And it's not sexual because nobody's pretty in free fall. At 125 miles an hour, the wind does awful things to the body. You know, it makes it wiggle and waggle and parts fly everywhere, especially girls. Girls got parts flying everywhere. Boys got parts flying everywhere. Ain't nothing pretty about it. So... They can take the sex right out of it because that ain't what it's about. But it is an interesting feeling. I had no idea there even was such a thing as naked skydiving. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Learn something new every day. Yes, ma'am. Well, I want to let everybody know that you can find all of Jack's Amy Lynn books on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. Uh, The latest one that we've been talking about is Amy Lynn Hatchet. But honestly, this series is so good. Um, and, and, and you can read each book as a standalone, but for me, just knowing the series, Jack, I recommend um, people start off with Amy Lynn because it, it's really cool to kind of follow her through her life and all of her adventures. And, and you know, as she matures and, and deals with some pretty horrific things, too. Um, and I, for one, I have to say, I really enjoyed those scenes um, where she was in that. I think they were in West Virginia and like a little kind of, she was talking to the psychiatrist and I really, those scenes really appealed to me. Um, Uh I guess maybe because it it gave some contrast and it it really kind of gave you a window into Amy as a person. Um, But but I, and I I could just, I could relate. I mean, I I don't know how these people do it that are, that are in the CIA because you, you kind of mentioned it before. It's like, you're living this double life. Like you're, you, you turn into a different person for your mission but then you got to right. go home. And like in her case, she goes home, you know, to, to the rural South. And it's just, you know, I, it, it's interesting to see her like kind of reconcile those two things, those two aspects. Um, right. Those two it's got to be difficult. And, yeah. And she's pretty successful most of the times at separating them, you know, because she knows who she yeah. is. And, yeah. And, and, but, but they're, but, but see, that's part of the evolution of the character, you know. It, it's all about the evolution of the character because we all, you know, I'm, I'm 55 now. At 25, I, I would not know me as a 25-year-old. My 25-year-old me would not know me as a 55-year-old. We are two so very different people. And, and, I, and that's part of, of growing. And, and that's, that's some of the other things I try to show, you know, in the most subtle of ways. Yeah. But, uh, but, no, but you- I wrote the I wrote the blurb for Rockstar. You want to hear it? Absolutely. Okay. This is number six, Rockstar. And this is the blurb. And what the blurb is, and this is a very hard thing for an author. If you've never written a book, um, you basically have to take, this is like 120, 223,000 words, compress it into like 300 words to tell all about the book and make people want to read it. It's the biggest nightmare ever for an author to have to do. I think that it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But uh, I don't know if this is the final blurb or not, because it's not done yet. But this will give you a little hint about what Amy Lynn number six is about. And it's called Rockstar. An out of control teenage rock star, Cantrell, the guitar shredding hedonistic superstar, goes to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia for a high paying private gig during a night of partying. 
she unknowingly defiles the prophet, making an enemy of radical Islam, an enemy that now wants her dead. A former CIA covert operative turned housewife, Amy Lynn, a.k.a. covert operative Finian, in an effort to leave her past behind, tries to be the best wife, mother, daughter, and friend she could be. But the pull of her former life progresses from fleeting thoughts to longings to a visceral need. Events in her small bucolic town call from her past and take her to the precipice of a return to what she's best at, killing people and breaking things. Meanwhile, back at the Zelensky Ranch in Poland, an unlikely romance visits Amy's pride and joy, her son Mickey. He, an adopted orphan. She, the cocky, pampered niece of Miss Constance. Uh, she struggles with the attraction to a man she perceives to be a simple stable hand. Mickey searches to find the meaning of love while still haunted by the death of his first love. In this latest novel from Jack July, we dive deep into family, love, friendship, and commitment, the things that bring each of us to life. Now, I wrote this book entirely in the cab of this truck, in the, in the sleeper of this truck, mostly, mostly in the sleeper of this truck. And I wrote it after my marriage of 25 years dissolved. So this is, this is uh, a kind of a different Amy Lynn. And, and I, I really dove deep into a lot of relationship things. I dove deep into a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, uh, I, I had to ring. I had to. I had to ring out a soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is very. This is very. This is once again different. Every single book is different, and this one is different because it's it's kind of what I'm going through. My betas, you know, and God bless them. I have a whole slew of people that that take my writing and turn it into something that people want to read. You know, I have. I have. I have. You know, John Earl, and I have. Uh, uh, Helen Kerr, uh, a.k.a. Flippa Crawford, uh, Jocelyn Spellman, uh, Patsy Schnorr, I got my editor. Um, she, she's, uh, God, I can't, I just had a brain fart. I can't remember her name. Robert Bertrand's there. And I got all this support and I got all the, uh, all these people and God bless Kia Heavey, you know, who, who does so much for me and, and all these people, uh, without them, they're, there may be Jack July books, but they certainly wouldn't be the the quality that they are, and they certainly wouldn't have, you know, the polish that they do. And 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 I'm so humbled by all of those people, and all, and all the work they do to help me. And 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 they they never charge me a dime. And and they just, you know, somebody told me they said I I just want to be part part of this. I just want to be part of what you do because they believe in it, and it's such an honor that that they're like that wow. that they do that. Wow. Very inspiring. Well, Jack, we've got about like five minutes left. And I just wondered if maybe you had any advice for anyone listening, because it certainly sounds like you have mastered the ability to sort of incorporate time for writing, no matter what else you're doing. So do you have any advice for anybody out there listening who would like to maybe, you know, start their own series of books or at least write their first book? Um, you know, I would, um, yeah, you, you, you sit your butt down in a chair and you write chapter one and you start writing because that's it. Um, there are so many books and so many methods and so many things that everyone tries to sell you and tell you and, and do anything. I've seen anything from all these post-it notes on the walls to, oh, you have to write uh, the character outlines and then you have to do this and then you have to do that. And then you have to, no, no. And then you have all these computer programs. Oh, you need Grammarly or you need this or you need that. No, 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 no. You sit down and you write the story. You tell the story. You don't worry about what, oh, I want to read these books because I want to get, see how this author does it. No, because that's how that author does it. You want to do it how you do it. This is, this is, this if this is not a intensely personal journey, then the work is going to become so great that you're not going to stick it out. It has to become such an intensely personal journey. And you, you, the only thing I recommend is that when you write the end, you try to surround yourself with people that have experience in, in making the book 
something that's that's readable and marketable. You know, you're going to need an editor because after you've read your book 50 times, it no longer says what it says on the paper. It says what you think it says. You're going to miss exactly. words. You're going to miss phrases. You're going to skip over it. So you do need help. No one edits their own books. It's impossible. At least I know of no one that's been able to do that. No one. Uh, you're going to need you're going to need friends. You're going to need a supportive spouse and children because you're going to take time from them. You need to lock down time. Uh, my best time to write was on Saturdays and Sundays between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. That's when I was at my best. And you need to find out when you're at your best. And you remember, you still have to you still have to work your job. You still have to take care of other people. You know, but but everyone's going to suffer around you because of the amount of work it takes. So just prepare yourself and dedicate. It's all about the discipline. I truly believe everyone has a story, and I truly believe that anyone can do it. But I don't believe everyone has the discipline to actually sit down and finish. Um, my doctor, I, went to, I had a checkup today. I went to my doctor, Dr. Buffalo, a wonderful man, um, uh, a great story started in the inner city, inner city kid. Um, I, I think, I think he grew up in inner city of Chicago, uh, fought his way out, became a physician. He's my physician. Great man started on a book, got about a third of the way through it. And he, he would talk to me when I would see him. So what do I do about this? What do I do about that? What do I do about this? Well, Doc, the last we're time I saw him. We're out of time. So can, huh? can you finish this up really quick? We're out of time. Sorry. Oh, Okay. But anyway, he quit on the book. But anyway, it's hard. And God bless you. Oh, thank you, Jack. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll see you back here next week. Good night.